Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid, hour number two on June 2nd. It is a Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday or Tapas Tuesday, whatever's going on in your house, Kev. But what I know is that we got to cover the news and notes. There's a lot going on in Chargers land. We'll mm-hmm. look at their futures. We'll look at their offseason. We'll try and make some sense even with some diamonds and fugazis. You know I think this roster is pretty stacked, so it should be an interesting conversation. Before we get to that... I did want to bring up a couple of news and notes that kind of crossed my radar that I thought was interesting, especially, Kevin, the context of what we just talked about, right? The um, air targets kind of up for grabs and who is in position to get some of that pie. I'm intrigued by the Indianapolis Colts, okay? They lost mm, 25% of their target percentage, okay? Mm -hmm. I got to believe Eric Ebron makes up some of that, right? You know, they've also had guys like Zach Pascal moving, you know, and Devin Funches as well, who moved on to Green Bay. So there's some there to be had. We know they drafted Michael Pittman. I know you like Michael Pittman, right? So do I. I wonder where he's going to be on our kind of rookie ranks. But I wanted to remind you, don't forget about Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell out of Ohio State was a pretty high draft pick for them the previous year. And I always talk about the role, the different types of wide receivers, right, Kev? So now in Indy, you got your outside X guy in Michael Pittman, the 6'3", 6'4", outside receiver. You have the technically sound guy in T.Y. Hilton, right, who runs great routes, is a prototypical kind of Y receiver. And you have Paris Campbell in the slot who, you know, hasn't had a chance to show everything You know, yesterday's show, I talked about Deontay Johnson as someone who I'm excited about to progress. I think Paris Campbell fits in the same mold, and I think people are kind of forgetting about him in another offense that I know you and I both expect to be able to put up some points. You know, talk to me about the value of Paris Campbell. It's it is it's interesting because I'm not sure how much this Colts offense will throw. So it somewhat begs the question how many uh, receiving options will be fantasy viable. Right. Um, although, again, any team's number two wide receiver deserves a look. He's and probably three for them, though, right? It's maybe, T.Y. then there's Pittman. Maybe he has a chance to be okay. two because Pittman's okay. a rookie. Don't forget but, about a big-time pass-catching back, Naheem Hines, that the coaches are saying could get 10 catches in a game. Jack Doyle, always a part yeah. of that offense. But, no, I understand. It's just it's a pretty packed pecking order. Sounds like a herd to me. It does. I, I, I do say, like, Jack Doyle might be one of the guys, like when we went through the Colts, we maybe didn't spend enough time on. Mm. With Ebron now gone to Pittsburgh and him being able to be the tight end. Rivers is always. Remember that. They brought in Trey Burton. Do you think that Trey. You know, it's tough because. I don't. Trey Burton, to me, in Philly, I thought highly of because he was able to do some stuff. Right. And in fact, I'm sure you remember, whenever Ertz missed time, Trey Burton was a tight end one. Every time. Oh, yep. I know. Every time. So when he went to Chicago, yep. I, I had a you know a, my fair share of uh, Trey Burton on rosters, and obviously Should did I. not pan out. Um, so it's one of these things like Indianapolis now certainly a better situation. He's being asked to do less. Maybe he is cutting into Jack Doyle. I just think, ah, man, you just get, there's going to be a good tight end coming out of Indianapolis. Oh, I yeah. would think based on Philip Rivers. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, sorry, like in my biggest long term dynasty league, right? Uh, years previous, before the Burton made the move, okay? Um, I had Zach Ertz, and as you mentioned, he missed a lot of time, so I wound up with Trey Burton on my roster as well. And then that year, I took a flyer with my last draft pick for a rookie tight end. His name was George Kittle. Okay, so then going into the pre- the next offseason, I had on my roster with Burton signing in Chicago, I had Ertz, Burton, and Kittle on my roster, right? And I was like, ooh. I'm going to parlay this into something, right? Guess which ones I decided to keep of the three and which ones I decided to trade away. (laughs) I'll tell you. I will tell you. I still own Zach Ertz. Um, I moved... I moved George Kittle. I moved George Kittle in that offseason, and it was a thing where you lose the round of where you got him. I had George Kittle as my 17th round pick, and I traded him away for Zach, and I kept Zach Ertz in, like, 
the fifth, let's say, because I thought, you know, and then Kittle obviously breaks out, you know, and my escalator cost on Ertz has started to hurt me. But that's okay, because last year I drafted Mark Andrews in the 12th round. So we're okay. Um, And as we are talking about tight ends, I wanted to draw our attention to one of the tight ends I just mentioned and who many people agree is one of the three elite tight ends in the NFL. I'm talking about George Kittle. Um, And it seems like um, they're going to start talking about his contract, okay, because it's coming up. And I was struck by this. You know, his agent is starting to say Kittle doesn't want a tight end deal. Okay, it doesn't matter who's resetting the market at the tight end because Kittle is more than a tight end. It reminds me of like Le'Veon Bell saying he wanted to be paid as a running back, like and as a wide receiver, too, because that's kind of who he was on that team. I think it's interesting that Kittle is looking to reset the market. I think he has the potential to do so as well. Kev, what do you think about George Kittle? Can he pretty much shoot the moon and ask for whatever he wants? Does he have the 49ers kind of in a bad spot? Um, because, you know, he doesn't want to be lumped in with, say, what Austin Hooper just got. He wants would, to set the market. I would say here that this is a spot where, you know, you have to hope that um, rationale can prevail. Like, it's not if the Niners go, listen, we'll make it the highest paid tight end. And Kittle responds, well, that's a no-duh but I'm of the value of an elite wide receiver. And he's right. The reality is he's right, okay? He's much closer to Amari Cooper than Austin Hooper, okay? Like, significantly. And where I think the Niners can make this move is if you look at the wide receiver core, they don't have any type of top wide receiver talent, right? Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Is that the top of the wide receiver depth chart? Maybe I'm missing out. I don't know if Dante Pettis. I like. I know Emmanuel Sanders is gone, but it's George Kittle. There's, you know, there's guys like Jalen Hurd coming back from injury, but no, no one who like is that prototypical wideout one. Kittle is their top receiving option, while sure. being probably the best blocking tight end right. in football That's at right. a position that we have seen. If you have a really good one is just a nightmare. Gronk and especially it. with their running game, right? That's so predicated on scheme and, and shifts and yeah. movement, right? And Kittle knows all that already. And like you said, is the premier pass catcher in that offense. Yeah, I, I mean, basically, I guess a good way to put it is I think the Niners are one of the five best teams in football. And if they lost George Kittle, I could probably argue they missed the playoffs. That's the type of importance that he has to this football team. I know... One of the things, right, that I think I, I used to be a bit more naive to, right? But things are negotiations. So then it's not smart for the Niners to be like, no, you definitely are worth $20 million, right? Like, they're going <laughs> to try and, you know, play it a little bit. But also, for sure, don't piss off George Kittle because he is super important to your team. So make the right decision. And maybe even if you just can get in front of it a little bit, right? Bye. Like, before he starts to realize that he's worth maybe – the $20 million sounds like that's a year. happened already, though. It sounds like that's happened. His agent is being like, nah, nah, nah. I don't worry about the tight end market. That's not what I'm out. But he's right, and he's right, though. Like, that's the big – like, I, I've, one of the sayings is um, I'll draft left tackles and pay right tackles because right. we still pay left tackles more than right tackles. Right. But it's a little silly. Like, I know the whole blindside thing, but the way defensive fronts move all over the place, man, like, a lot of times, like, uh, the top edge rushers will be on the other side against your right tackle. Like, Lane Johnson has been as important as Jason Peters to the Eagles' success over the past some odd years. Like, we've seen the Eagles struggle mightily in the absence of Lane Johnson. Yes. So what I'm saying is logic has to prevail. You you can't just say all left tackles are better than right tackles, right? No, that's not how that works. So this is a spot here where George Kittle's aware of his worth, the Niners are aware of his worth, and they don't have an elite wide receiver talent like blocking mm-hmm. them from making this move right. to where it should get done. Yep. No, I agree with you. And, you know, what's interesting is some people say the franchise tag is always an option also, right? Now, if you remember, the franchise tag is actually giving you the number that is the average of the top five at that position. Mm-hmm. And Le'Veon Bell made this point also in his holdout of negotiations. That's actually a bad look if you are number one or number two. 
If you are number one or number two legitimately at the position to take the average of the top five, somewhere between the second and the third, is devaluing you if you truly deserve the top or the second top. And you got to admit that George Kittle deserves likely to be paid as one of the top two tight ends when you consider everything age included, value to that team, as one of the top two tight ends in the NFL. So the franchise tag really is not uh, market value for him. I bring that up because there was another tight end that was franchise tag that you and I both believe is part of the top eight in the NFL. And his name is Hunter Henry of the Los Angeles Chargers, right? Hunter Henry has come out and said he is fine playing under the tag for the entire year. He's got a one-year $10.6 million tag. That's apparently the level for the tight end position. And Hunter Henry is going to play under that, and I think that's interesting. As we turn our attention to the Chargers' offense, how big of a role is Hunter Henry for whoever the quarterback is, Terod or Justin Herbert? Yeah, I expect Henry to to play a big part here. He's the, um, you know, he can maybe be a touchdown leader for them. He has that type sure. of potential. You do have but Big also, Mike Williams who loves those red zone targets. Sure. Uh, the thing is, Hunter Henry is, of course the type of guy that should be playing on the franchise. Yes, I agree. Because the Chargers can make an argument that they could extend him, and Hunter Henry could make an argument to be extended based on when he's been on the field. He has not been on the field enough. So go out there for a year, be healthy, be great, and if that's what you are, then this will be easy. And if those things are not how this year plays out, then, well, that's what it is, and they'll have to move on, and they'll have to figure out the the next situation. This is going to be... One of the teams that I am, it's one of the teams I'm most excited to get into because there are so many pieces of this roster that you're going to go, I mean, this is a Super Bowl contender. This is, why can't this team press the Chiefs? Why not? And then there's just going to be certain things, I think at least, that we're going to look at and go, that's why. Oh, that's that's why. why. Man, I wish they did this here. I wish they did this here. To me, their draft is one of the drafts I left most disappointed in, mm. in terms of the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I remember when we had that conversation, right? And that's why I, su- I remember surprising you in the mock draft. Because mm. I thought they were a win-now roster, I was going to eschew the idea of getting that quarterback in Herbert because of what I thought Isaiah Simmons could have been to this roster. Because I do think, as you know, that it is closer than some others. Um, what do you think, though? They get Balaga, the, the, the tackle from Green Bay, who is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Obviously, Herbert with the first pick. I love Kenneth Murray at that linebacker level. We talked also about the kid Josh Kelly, who could be a part of this running back by committee. Take a second and think about it, because when we come back, we're going to talk about the movements in the Chargers in the offseason. We know about Terod and Herbert. And then we look at some futures value for the Los Angeles Chargers. Go, Chargers, go. That's what we do when we come back here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. Dane and Kevin using this hour to focus a light and shine the spotlight on the Los Angeles Chargers. And Kevin, you know, I think they had a decent offseason. I really do. You know, the Herbert pick is going to be something that is debated about for a ton. Right. And I believe if they will win now, maybe they didn't need to do that. But I like Kenneth Murray as a player and he fills the need that they need to um, at that linebacker level. They signed, you know, uh, Balaga, a quality uh, offensive lineman, something they needed. Right. They signed Chris Harris away from the Denver Broncos, adding to what I think can be potentially the best secondary In the NFL, I didn't misspeak. What I believe can be, Chris Harris is now going to be their third cornerback on the slot. Like, that's pretty damn good. You know what I believe about Derwin James. You know I believe it all starts with the pass rush. And I don't know many examples of pass rushes that you could say is definitively better than Boza and Ingram coming off that edge. They even signed, I believe, Linval Joseph to help plug up the run defense. So they were active. Right. And I, you know, they lose Melvin Gordon, but everybody thinks that Austin Eckler can make up a lot of that. I mean, do you think this team got better or worse in the offseason, Kev? 
Wow. Um, they definitely they they had it, it couldn't have been worse. It couldn't okay. have been worse because they, they did they, they, all time franchise leader right. in a number of quarterbacks in a number of stats. We have to acknowledge right. that, right? But he but wasn't I don't great. Know what really was right. He wasn't great, and they added some some pieces. Here is why I think this team is fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. To play off another little interesting hypothetical, they were in on Brady. They wanted Brady, and if Brady chose them, then that's where he would have gone, right? What then does this team look like, right? Because at six, they add one of either Isaiah Simmons or one of the premier tackles in this draft. And maybe no team in the entire league, except for maybe like Belichick, because he's Belichick, would you have more confidence in getting the most out of Isaiah Simmons, right? Than when you think about the Chargers and what they've done with Derwin James. And not that Isaiah Simmons is Derwin James, but just understanding the the position versatility and how that's a plus. And now, you know, he's in Arizona and the Cardinals like, imagine Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James as these like chess pieces you can move on the defensive side of the ball with Boza coming after you with a slot corner and Harris. I mean, go ahead. You know, I'm high on the charges, but go ahead. Of course. So, so now they've said, let's just say in this scenario, added Isaiah Simmons. And then in the, Later portion of the draft, they made a massive move to come up and get Kenneth Murray, one that I did not like at all. Um, not only getting rid of extra assets, but he wasn't the best linebacker on the board. At that and, point, right. right. And maybe now maybe they still, you might say, still go for the win now move of a Kenneth Murray. Well, but if they take Isaiah Simmons, right, with that six pick, that, right. right, they could have gone tackle. And maybe they come away with Josh Jones. So now if their offseason is Tom Brady, Chris Harris Jr., Linval Joseph, Isaiah Simmons, Josh Jones. This team is, I would guess, fourth in odds to win the AFC. I would say it'd be the Chiefs, the Ravens, and there was another team who I thought was obviously there, and now they've completely escaped. Right now, it's the, the, right now, Kevin, the third choice to win the AFC is the New England Patriots. No, they'd be the third then. So the Chargers would be the third choice to win the AFC if that scenario played out. Now, where are the Chargers right now, if you can quickly count? Well, they are, the, they are tied AFC. for the eighth choice. Tied for the eighth choice with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, that's a considerable gap. Right outside of the playoffs, right? And that's why I've found myself I coming away lower on their draft. Because Justin Herbert is not the answer for this team this season. That they needed right now, right. And I also don't know if Justin Herbert is the quarterback for Anthony Lynn. I feel bad for Anthony Lynn because we saw what he was able to do with a running quarterback. This is why he's always wanted Tyrod to be the guy. He couldn't do it with Phillip Rivers. And now Justin Herbert's waiting in the wings. Like, unfortunately for Anthony Lynn, when we talk about coaches that could be having their final seasons, it just just could – a fit thing could be taking place here with Anthony Lynn. And again, I hated the Kenneth Murray move. So they made some good things, good decisions. But then they lost that on Brady and said, fine, we'll reset instead of maybe going for Cam. And that's where they started to lose me. Because this team had the chance, Dane, I would say, to be considered a genuine, undeniable Super Bowl contender. A true contender. Here's the one thing I'll push back on you. Because you mentioned Brady, so that brings up the Bucs for me, okay? Now, the Bucs were a team that we're seven and nine, and you and I, you've heard me say a bunch of times, right? Just the difference of careless, turnover prone Jameis to the elite game manager, Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. Should take care of the ball more, should equate to more wins, right? Yeah. We believe that? Yeah. Okay. Philip Rivers was also a turnover machine. Right. Okay? And, and Anthony Lynn knows about Tarod. Because he took the damn Bills to the playoffs when Anthony Lynn was there. And I think you also know this. There was a time as as recently as last year where Terod Taylor, literally, Kevin, had the lowest interception rate of any NFL quarterback all time. So why? So maybe that is what they're doing. Maybe when instead of losing out on Brady, as you described, maybe part of the reason they're not going to Cam, they're not whatever, is because they truly believe that Terod can take care of the ball, be, like I said, a game manager, and then, just like in Tampa, how where they trust the rest of the dynamic pieces and all that good stuff, they think that's enough to progress. Maybe yeah. the Chargers literally think cutting out some of the carelessness, YOLO throws with the bolo tie of Phillip Rivers yeah. 
you know, goes down to Tarod when you and I both acknowledge their running back room is strong. They added to the offensive line. They still got weapons left and right. We talked about Hunter Henry, Big Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and mm -hmm. other wideouts that are quality. Maybe they think cutting out Phillip Rivers' carelessness is all they need to progress, and we, you and I both think they have a top-tier defense. The problem is, is, and maybe I'm naive in thinking that if they would have brought Brady and they wouldn't have taken Herbert at six. Right. But the thing, the biggest thing is, and everything you're saying about Tyrod can make sense. It's just, and I'm not even necessarily someone that's low on Herbert. Okay. It's just yeah, for this either. team, right. this wasn't, in my opinion, the way to go. It would have either been Jalen Hurts in round two, right. or just give Tyrod the year. That's and if right. it works, amazing. And if not, is Justin Fields the, the right. perfect dude to come in and be a partnership with Anthony Lynn? I absolutely do agree. So, like, the, the the timing of it all, right? What are you, L.A.? Are you trying to do it right now when you still have, you know, Keenan Allen in his prime, when you still have Melvin Ingram in his prime? Or are you kicking the can down the road and then, you know, maybe not fully coming to fruition? I do just want to give you the numbers, okay, Kev? Because I told you they were tied for eighth in the AFC with the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. Seven make the playoffs. So their win total, Kevin, is eight on the number, and the juice is minus 110 on both sides. Eight on the number, right there. I told you they are the eighth choice in the AFC. I find this interesting, though. Minus 180 to not make the playoffs. The team with the eighth best odds to win the conference is plus 140 to be in the top seven and qualify for the playoffs. If you think that this team is ready-made and can make a run, they are 7-1 to win their division. Yeah. And here's one other kind of thing I'll juxtapose for you that I do think is interesting. Terod Taylor is minus 320 to be the week one starting quarterback. Right. And I don't know. We don't know what can happen. And you just said about Herbert or what have you. But then I look at the props, Kev, for rookie of the year. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, Joe Burrow, the favorite. We yeah. don't. Uh, right. Tua, right there, the third choice. We don't know how many starts he's going to make. Then these all these running backs we've talked about before. Swift, Taylor, right? You got to go all the way down. To 20 to 1. Wow. Uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has the same odds to win Rookie of the Year as Denzel Mims, the wideout for the Jets. I believe, though, Kevin, there is a scenario, right, where Justin Herbert plays a lot of games. Yeah. He has a good roster around him. He looks better or gets more wins in 2020 than either Joe Burrow or Tua, right? I don't know. To me, Herbert at 20 to 1 is intriguing to me. What say you? Oh, it's definitely intriguing because it's a quarterback. Right. And that price. A quarterback on a team so that's better than Miami or Cincy. They just are. And it's connected to what you acknowledged, mm -hmm. right, with the Tyrod Taylor price. And that's the problem with the Justin Herbert prop. Now, luckily, you're not paying, right? You're getting a good number on it. But you're sitting there every week hoping Tyrod gets benched. Or and then Tyrod has to get benched. Or that. Um, <laughs> it's an ACL, Kevin. It's an ACL. <laughs> right? He's a running quarterback, you know. I, yeah. Um, and then he has to come in, though. And this has always been something that is difficult for me when it comes to rookie awards, is what will matter more, production? Or could, like, a winning like, environment... Award, right? Got to be on a winning team kind of thing. Right. Like, it, But does that apply to the Rookie of the Year award? I don't know. And it all depends. Like, I remember in the NBA, there was this big shift because Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell were both in the playoffs, right? So everyone was kind of talking about how yes. the playoffs mattered in the equation to a degree. But, like, I have to say, I think I'm still – I think I'm expecting to play this award. I think of all – one of the things – I think I'm going to end up playing Burrow because mm -hmm. he's a quarterback. Right. He's going to play 16 games. Yes. Health. Right? Right, right. And there's no reason that he is not one of the guys that is up there in targets. We just listed right yeah. a number of good weapons that he has yeah. there. So basically to and Tua and Herbert and Jordan Love <laughs> are all not, and Jalen Hurts are not gonna be able or not listed to be week one starters. So yeah. then you're hoping that a running back can beat out a quarterback.
It's it's weird, Kevin. Here's what I'll also tell you. What we do here is hunt for value, right? Or And public perception is a big part of the value, right? So here's just the numbers I'm going to give you. I told you that Tua was the third choice to win Rookie of the Year, right? And, and Herbert's all the way down as like the eighth choice or whatever it is. Dramatically different numbers, right? Tua <laughs> is plus 370 to start week one. Yeah. Herbert is plus 260 to start week one. There are longer odds for Tua to be under center, okay? The market is telling you that there's a better chance Herbert is under center, yet a dramatically longer shot to actually win the rookie of the year when he is out there on the field. To me, what I'm saying is that the market has soured on Herbert in a way that I think the hate has gone a little bit too far. So I did just want to throw that out there. I think the market is undervaluing Herbert, who was a top 10 pick on an offense that is, you know, good, that has a bridge quarterback keeping the seat warm in the same way as some other teams. We only got 30 seconds. Do you have any knee-jerk futures reactions for the Chargers? Because when we come back, we're going to go game by game. But do you want to think about it over the break? Well, I've, I usually like to give one before we do their game by game. I will say at the moment, the plus money yes playoffs for the eighth team is interesting for sure. All right. Let's find out if he still thinks that it's interesting after we go game by game. We do it for the Chargers next here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the early line on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh going through the Chargers schedule to see how that balance is up, right? Eight is right there. Seven teams make the playoffs. They're the eighth choice. So you got plus money, a little bit of plus money. Let's see if we think the Chargers can make the playoffs. And if you've been listening to this network or to the Spitting Statistician for a while, you know I, I, I have a lot of belief in the Chargers roster, so we'll see how this plays out. All right, Kev. Hmm. We don't know. You know which quarterback is going to be under center for Cincy because we yep. talked about this in the rookie of the year. We don't know who's under center for the Chargers, but in a potential battle of top six picks, they open their schedule at Cincinnati. It's Joe Burrow's first rodeo, and let me tell you something. In Joe Burrow's debut, He's going to have Joey Boza and Melvin Ingram yeah. come down his you know, neck. Ah, He's going to be running an interesting <laughs> for the NFL for Joe Burrow. You think, though, like the Chargers traveling west to east, 1 o'clock start, you think they get it done opening night or day? Uh, I, I'm, I'm rolling with the Chargers on this one. I saw on ESPN, if I, like, I was looking through, and I think they suggested that this was actually going to be a 4 o'clock game, which oh, – okay. We, which was weird. Like that's I not that one, but yeah. I mean, like I said, it could have been just a mistake with kind of how it was listed. Um, I will say this though: this Burrow might be able to lock up Rookie of the Year in Week One. Like if he beats this Chargers defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not expecting. I mean, again, so you got like, the Chargers they, going into Cincy, yeah. getting the win. Absolutely. Right. Fair enough. Week two, they come for their home opener. Let's also mention this though, because we did it when we talked Raiders, right? The idea of the progress on their stadium. Uh, is also an interesting conversation. Maybe it's less impactful for the Chargers because they've been kind of nomads without this home field advantage, having to go to the silent count at home, you know? So I don't know if it's as big of an issue, but week two would be their quote-unquote new home opener as they share a building with the Rams, but the defending champs are coming to town, Chiefs-Chargers. Yeah, the problem is as well, the Chiefs are off of a mini-buy. Right. Um, one of my favorite schedule quirks that you identified was the Chiefs having rest every the single time they travel division in games. division. Every yeah, single. absolutely. So I have you go having them one and one to yep. start the season. I will note, though, that the Chargers have played the Chiefs pretty close in sure. recent years. I'm reminded that two years ago when they needed to win in Arrowhead and did so to get the same record. Remember, two years ago, the Chiefs and the Chargers both had 12 and four records, you know, uh, the Chargers then went to the wild card game. They stay at home. The Panthers come to town for week three. Yeah, that should be uh, a good spot for the Chargers, especially welcoming them into the West Coast. All right, fair enough. Then they travel west to east, okay? Big time road trip at Tampa. 
that's a tough game on the road, one o'clock start. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Bucks in uh, in that one. It'll be it'll be a fun game though. Like this is the type of thing with this Chargers team to where it'll be fun to see how this defense holds up against an offense I, like Tampa Bay for sure. No, I I think that's true. I think that the way that they have prioritized the elements of their secondary, a guy like Chris Harris, right? Think about this division though. Right, you're seeing the Chiefs twice. You're seeing the emerging Drew Locke potentially in that those weapons twice. So I do think they've invested in the right side, trying to you know stop the pass and rush the passer. Uh, they got a back-to-back road trip. It is not easy. Um, they stay in that division. They're in the dome to see the Saints, and this is a Monday Night Football tilt for Week Five. Yeah, I mean primetime game in New Orleans for this Chargers team. That's that's a Saints spot for sure. Okay, they come on home, they go back home, they got a team traveling east to west for them, and it's my J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. You think the Chargers can take on Grand Green? Yeah, I do. I I think that's kind of a good spot for, you know, when you're able to get a team of the Jets, like, the Jets are, to me, a team that's, they're tough to figure out, man. Um, Their schedule's real, real tough, the Jets. Them going east to west, you know, it's just it's one of those spots where you have to lean chargers. I agree with you. I think the Jets are in that vein where they could, you know, win some games, but are they good enough to like go on the road and win? I think, I think that's another level. Yeah, I think, and I know we're doing the Chargers, but I think the problem with the Jets is I just don't think they're a team of the caliber that can overcome the schedule it's seemingly they've been given. Now, the difficulty of a schedule can always change. By the time those games are played, whether it be yeah, injury, sure. perception, whatever it might fit, whatever it might be, right? Um, I remember getting into many of arguments with the fantasy king Scott Angle about how, who cares about strength of schedule, nothing matters. Um, so maybe that you know, but the Jets are a team definitely with a hard one, and I think this is an example of it, right? Where yeah. you know they're playing Chargers, a team they could beat, but they have to go west to do it. Yeah, and remember, the Jets also have to go to L.A. twice in the season, but at mm-hmm. different points of the season, they don't get the luxury of staying there. But we are on the Chargers. We'll talk to AFC East in a week or two. Uh, they are 3-3 three and three by your count. They go on the road to Miami to see the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I like the Dolphins. Uh, you know, again, early start time for them going going towards the East Coast. The okay. Dolphins, um, I, you know, we've talked about the Dolphins a bit, right? I, I find myself oddly optimistic about what the Dolphins can bring uh, to the season, and I think they beat the Chargers in this spot. Okay, so you have them right around 500. Remember, the win total is eight on the number. You have them three and four, but then they come home for a two-game homestand. Okay, mm-hmm. so maybe you think they could pick off two in a row and get rolling. Um, in week eight, the, the Jaguars come to town, yeah. and then in week nine, the Raiders come to town for the Chargers at home. They so I'm going uh, I'm, I'm giving them the Jacksonville game. If you remember, again, just through the consistency uh, lens, this was a game that I did give um, I did get uh, Vegas, not Oakland, Vegas. Um, so again, from from a consistency yep. standpoint, I, I will keep that the same. Fair enough. But if I memory serves me correctly, you then gave the Chargers the win on the road at Vegas, right? To still well, no, because it was a Thursday night game. So it's just ah, yes. spot here where I have the right. Chargers maybe one in five in division, in division. Like, which is right. weird. Not, not that we've played them all out, like yeah. The Chargers schedule to me is way harder than it, things suggest. So then let's see their other division opponents because they haven't seen the Broncos just yet, but they do. They go on the road, but it is after their bye week, yeah. Kevin. Bye week uh, 10, then on the road to Denver following the bye. Tough, you know, big-time division road game, but after the bye. And you said it lined up nicely for, I believe it was KC in that situation. This lines up nicely. Road, division, but after the bye. So the can you give me the record check at this point, right? It's, uh, they have played nine games. You have them four and five. Four and five. Like, this was the thing for me, Dan, where— Is this where again, they go to her? That's the—it's— it's After like, the bye week, right. You know what I mean? Are they like, in contention? If, if they're four and five with seven teams, maybe they're in contention. But are they right. happy? Are they happy with Tyrod? Right. Also, time if, to make, you're, pull the trigger. if you're going to make the change, do you make it, like— in Jack before the Jacksonville game, like how's Herbert no, you handling make it during the bye? You make it yeah. during the bye week. Um, I, so are you saying that you think this is Justin Herbert under center November 22nd in Denver? I'm not sure if it is. What I am gonna do though is give Denver the home tilt. Bye weeks matter, but the biggest thing you can do is have the be home after the bye. And so I can't just give every team a win off their bye week. So, unfortunately, this is not panning out well for the Chargers. It is not panning out well for the Chargers. I do want to double-check real quick, just so you know, Denver, um, when you say, because they're bringing in the Chargers, they'll be coming from Vegas, so not a horrible trip. All right, so you're giving them a loss there. 
Yeah. Uh, so you're giving them a loss there. You have them falling to four and six. They two back-to-back road trips, and it's not easy. They go east to see the Bills. Yeah, I got to lean with the Buffalo Bills. All right. So at this point now, they're four and seven, right? Yeah. So at this point, four and seven, you got to think being a contender is out of the window, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is where you think they make the switch, but they do come back home. Jared Stidham comes to town, though. Week 13, the Patriots come in. Yeah, I mean, this is um, a really, really interesting spot. This is the beginning for New England's um, L.A. tilt. Right. Where, so, they have Chargers Rams back-to-back weeks in L.A., yeah. Who knows where the Patriots are going to be at that point in the season. This is a game that I can go and I can give to the Chargers. But another spot where if it's Herbert, right, right and they're Bell playing against the Patriots right. defense, right. dangerous. If it's Tyrod, it's totally different. And again, like I'm not trying to necessarily. It's hard to apply that specifically. Yeah. But I'm giving the Chargers this one for sure. All right. To be quite honest, I would have gone the other way on this one just because yeah. if I were you playing it out at four and seven, I believe they will have made that switch. Yeah. If they are four and seven in the way you describe, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think all hope is kind of lost, and then they got to play out the string. They got to see what they have in the kid. Yeah. But. I don't know where New England's at, though, at this point, right? Like, is Brian Hoyer under center if Jared Stidham looks bad? Like, how bad could that be? The AFC East pretty soon, and so when it's the Jets schedule, the Patriots schedule, we'll find out. You have them four and seven. Uh, Excuse me. No, you had them five and seven entering the last stretch of the season. They stay at home. The Falcons come in. Remember, going outdoors for the Falcons, long travel for them. Uh, This will be a 4.30 Eastern time spot when Atlanta comes to town. Yeah, that's another decent spot for the Chargers. I, again, I, I told you, I mentioned it yesterday, I couldn't find it, but it's something to do with the Falcons and the AFC, and it's just right. been a complete. Um, right. So, yeah, it's a good spot for uh, for them. Fair enough. You discussed this game a little bit already. They have the short week, and they travel on the road in division to take on Las Vegas after that. Yeah, and I gave that one to Vegas, so uh, consistency will consistency be able to Consistency supreme. Remember, their win total was eight. They are two, they're six and eight right mm-hmm. now. So you would need them to win them both to just hit the number on the number. Otherwise, it seems like you're leaning under, actually. Um, And it's home for Denver and then at Arrowhead to end the year. Yeah, mini buy buy at home. They can get the Denver game, but a loss to the Chiefs in Arrowhead to close it out. All right, you got him going seven and nine, Kev. Uh, you got him going seven and nine. Now remember, when we went into the other break, you just said plus money to make the playoffs intrigues you. Yeah. But you have you're finding uh, seven and nine, so maybe the rhythm of the schedule didn't work well. You have that open question about if they ever, you know, kind of pull the escape hatch on Tarod and go to uh, and go to Justin Herbert. Now that we've done the exercise, yeah. when I told you about these kind of different uh, futures markets for the Chargers. Now where are you shopping? Man, ah, boy. So the, thing, the problem is that they went 7-9, and nine, right? They were 1-5 in division. Right, that's tough. That's bad. That's bad. And then being 3-3 three and three sounds very fair, right? And then all I, of a sudden think, they're 9-7 and seven and then a playoff mix. Right. And, you know, it's, the thing is, though, is I go kind of and I, and I pull through this schedule here. I look at games and it's like, were there any spots where you were overly kind, not kind, it's it's like they are seven and nine, nine and seven. Here's my problem with the Chargers. The floor is much lower than the ceiling to me. I think Tyrod's somewhat capped. I don't know if Tyrod can lead this team to 10, 11 wins, but if all of a sudden it's going a little weird and then it's Herbert and that's going bad too, they could find themselves bottoming out a bit. I hear you. And I think that's valid. The one thing I would say back to you when we talk about Tarad is um, what's around him right now in the Chargers is much better than he ever had in Buffalo in terms of that offense. And if he was able to manage that offense to a playoff berth, right, I believe maybe they went nine and seven. Was that the year that like Andy Dalton helped them out right, to uh, get them into the final spot? So, you know, Tarad has the experience of, in my opinion, taking less to the promised land with Anthony Lynn as one of his coaches. So maybe Tarad could wind up being a diamond in the rough for fantasy. We'll talk about that potential and how we see the rest of these chargers via fantasy when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Sports 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, Kevin, we are back. It is the early line giving you the edge on SportsGrid. You know what I find so funny? Kev, you know, and we've seen this before, especially in like fantasy herds. We've seen this in fantasy herds before. You know, I'm reminded of when Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were going as like top 15 wide receivers, but people wanted no part of Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. You and I have said Keenan Allen, Big Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, I guarantee all three of those guys will be starting on fantasy rosters left and right. Austin Eckler will be starting on fantasy rosters left and right. We think value in guys like Justin Jackson, potentially the kid Kelly. Yet, we talked about Tarod going into the break, right? And the question is, would Tarod be of value? Now, he is also, like I said, lowest interception rate of all time. We know he's a running kind of quarterback. We know he has, or at least I believe, he has an offense and skill positions and an offensive line better than he ever had with the Buffalo Bills. So for me, it stands to reason, Tarod could be an interesting shepherd of a fantasy herd. Yet, Kevin, when I look at the ADP of quarterbacks, Tarod is going as quarterback... 31 behind illustrious names like Dwayne Haskins behind your boy Nick Foles, who we don't even know if he's going to be the starter yet or not behind Teddy Bridgewater. The only uh, likely starting quarterback in the NFL who's behind Tarod is uh, Jared Stidham. Okay, we see after Tarad, we see names like Tua, Trubisky, Stidham, and then Herbert right there. Oh, yeah, and then Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and Andy Dalton. So they've got Tarad, who is a starter of a fairly dynamic offense, QB 31. Tarad is an absolute diamond, an absolute diamond. So one of the things that the fantasy community is uh, very much so had to acknowledge last year right, more so than ever, I felt like, is the importance of a running quarterback, right? Everybody knew it with Cam, but Lamar took the whole thing to another level because there was a lot of people who lost leagues because they had to still try and tell themselves that Lamar Miller's not a good passing quarterback. You led the league in touchdowns. You look stupid. But the rushing value is obvious. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray as well. Like, it's become such a big part. What Tyrod Taylor did in Buffalo... This is not what Anthony Lynn wants to do with Tyrod Taylor. He's said he wants a dual-threat quarterback. Yes, Tyrod's going to run a bunch. Oh, and by the way, he has one of the best pass-catching groups in terms of being able to offer all of the skills. Austin Eckler is one of the best pass-catching backs in the league. Keenan Allen's one of the 10 best wide receivers in football. Hunter Henry, one of the 10 best tight ends in football. Mike Ant Williams, one of the 10 best goal line targets in football. What are we doing? 31? Also, this is just two where I guess it's ADP. But when it comes to a drafting strategy, right? Yeah. You draft Dwayne Haskins to be your fantasy long quarterback. Put, come join these leagues. That's an awesome <laughs> idea. Right. Can I play in your leagues? Yeah. Come, get a, come, I needed another man. Come get in this one. Yeah. Like, it's a, you, what you're looking to do, right? You've always talked about it. You're trying to get a floor and a ceiling. You want upside. To me, you can split the room, especially if you're playing in a 10 or a 12-man league that's not two QBs. There are always guys available. And here is the promise that I will make to you, the viewer. If you are like, ah, you know what, this guy, Kev, should I listen to him? Draft Tyrod Taylor, start him week one. He will be a QB one week one. And you might say, oh, but they're playing the Bengals. Of course they won't. Well, what do you mean? Of course, there's only 12 of the guys that are going to be in the top 12, and you're going to get one of them in Tyrod Taylor. And the next week, they're going to play the Chiefs, whose biggest weakness is what? Running yeah. defense. So maybe right. he'll have his first two weeks be top, you know, Cuban. And you know, the Chiefs will put up points, so they're going to have to kind of garbage time keep up with them. I'm with you. I'm with you. Listen, you can literally let everyone else in your league draft their quarterback, and you can still wind up with, like, Baker Mayfield and Terod Taylor, and I'll t- I'll give that a shot. Let me press you on this, though. You mentioned guys like Henry and Eckler as well. You talked about the pass-catching group. 
that they have. And I, what I can't get past is how it looks like the market thought that Philip Rivers was the engine that drove this offense. And I just don't think it is. Here's here's another point. And I've mentioned this name a number of times when we're doing ADP. Kev, Keenan Allen, who you just said is one of maybe the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL, right? And has certainly produced as such, is going as wide receiver 23. Back end That's of wide receiver, right? Then you talk about... Talk about Big Mike Williams, right? I think another one of these ascending young wide receivers, right? I I would I would not be uncomfortable putting him in the same breath as your Calvin Ridley that we discussed, right? Um, Godwin, DJ Moore, um, all of these kind of young Devontae Parker, all of Cortland Sutton, all of these young up and coming wideouts that are getting all the love, all the steam. Big Mike Williams, who. When touchdowns are fluky, maybe not for him. He's, uh, where do you think he is? Remember, wideout ones would be 1 through 12. Wideout twos would be up to 24. Wideout threes would be up to 36, right? Where do you think Big Mike is? Now, basing it off where Keenan is, maybe like 40? 39. 39. Yeah, I mean, and that, a lot of that, like me being able to guess that, has to do with the fact that Keenan is a 24. Sure. Relative to Keenan Allen, Which right? Ridiculous in its own right that Keenan Allen would be, I mean. Right behind John Brown in Buffalo. If you had to guess, right, I'm whether taking it be Tyrod or whether it be Herbert, which one of those two do you find that they would lean more on? Say that again. Of the of these two quarterbacks, right? Yeah. When it comes to Keenan Allen, it comes to Mike Williams, right? Oh. Who do you think they lean on more, right? To it's just. Again, like Tyrod still is not a the outside, and if you bring in the rookie, that you know, just in my knee-jerk reaction, that's more the security blanket. That's more the Hunter Henry. That's more the out of the backfield Austin Eckler. But Tyrod would, I think, be more in position to try to stretch the field with guys like Big Mike Williams. Uh, But that's my knee-jerk reaction to it. But I think it's crazy. Listen, uh, Big Mike Williams, who was one of the hot young ascending wide receivers in the same vein as some of these other dudes I just mentioned, how did they all leave Big Mike Williams behind? I don't get that. Keenan Allen, who literally people were comfortable as their wideout one, is now the very back of wideout two. And I don't think losing Phillip Rivers warrants this. I, I think what we're seeing very much so is that the fantasy community is down on the Chargers because of the quarterback situation. Because of Rivers. They thought it they, was all driven by Rivers. I, I don't even know if they thought it was all driven by Rivers as much as they don't buy Tyrod. And also, even if they buy Tyrod, and I'm sure and I know part of the reason that Tyrod's 31 is they think it, it's inevitable that Justin Herbert will start games, right? And how That's valuable it. can Tyrod Taylor be to me if he's a backup quarterback? Which is a yeah. fair point. To me, I think that I think that Keenan Allen prevents tremendous value. I yeah. think that Mike Williams at his ADP is more than a fair price. I, again, I just made my case for Tyrod, but yeah. the guy that's going to end up on a lot of teams is going to be Austin Eckler. For sure, it's the, he was a he was I think he was running back two last year for a like, while. Yeah, like it fell a little bit when Gordon he, came in the mix, but yeah, but he finished as like I know he finished top five. Like, he was, like, if you, and if you pull up last year, like, where he finished, I know yep. he finished in the top five running backs. Okay. And that was, again, like, Melvin Gordon was there for more games than he wasn't. That's the thing. Like, Melvin Gordon was there for more games than he wasn't. But the games that he wasn't there, Austin Eckler was Christian McCaffrey. Like, they were yep. one and two every single week. So, to me, Austin Eckler has what it takes to be a top five guy. And, there's, and you could even say, well, what about the quarterback situation? Well, wouldn't they lean on the running back more? He's the best pass-catching running back that they have, of course. There's, to me, I don't know the argument behind Austin Eckler being anything other than an elite-performing fantasy running back. Yeah, I hear you. He's going right there on the cusp, okay, in terms of uh, RB1-2. He's going like 12-13. Um, I'm trying to bring up the fantasy points. You know, it depends on your settings, right? Obviously. Um, So if you were in, say, a half-point PPR league, Austin Eckler finished as running back six. As running back six. Finished. It went CMC, obviously, we know. And then the people that were above him were Aaron Jones, who led the league in rushing touchdowns, right? Derrick Henry, who led the league in rushing. Zeke Elliott. And Dalvin Cook. Um, and that's it. Okay, then Eckler was uh, sixth among running backs. 
yeah. uh, 16 points a game or 16.4, um, which is awesome. And then, you know, Melvin Gordon, that piece of the pie is now gone. To your point, Justin Jackson, the kid Kelly, they're not the same kind. So you got to think the overflow, maybe there's more juice in the orange for Austin Eckler. I tell you, he's going as running back. I think it's 12, 13, right there on the cusp. You think he will be a definitive RB1 in fantasy this year? Yeah, and in PPR, he was four. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I play in a lot of PPR. I do play sure. in some half as well. Yep. Again, like, so you said he's 12, right? Like, what? who is... 9, 10, and 11. Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders. I got him over all of them. I got him over all of them. Because I'm even worried about the whole Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon thing. Right. I'm, I'm so Kenyon good on Drake that. It's not a lot of fun. opportunity. Miles Sanders, we know you love, but the Philadelphia Eagles are still shopping for a veteran yeah. compliment. Like, is Miles Sanders going to get more work than Austin Eckler? So wait like, a second. You like Eckler better than Jones, Drake, and Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. Let's push the envelope here then. Right above that... Is Josh Jacobs, Jacobs or Eckler? That's a really good one because Jacobs to me does also have a clear pathway to a lion's share of work. Right. But if we're playing in a PPR setting, mm-hmm. I might have to lean Austin Eckler. Let's push it even a little bit more above Jacobs is Nick Chubb. God, Chubb is someone that I see. Is that the line? I, is that what we're I, talking? I gave more pause yesterday to Chubb, but I'm not going to own Chubb in a single league. I know that. Because of the Kareem Hunt thing. I see. Like, I know. So I can tell you who's more likely. Yeah, go ahead. Above Chubb. Joe Mixon. It's a it's a question. It's not. So you have him right around there. You have like, Eckler as pretty much RB like eight. Okay, so whereas 84. The top four is McCaffrey, Cook, Saquon, and Zeke. And yes. Henry. Henry, Henry, Henry is fifth. five. Yeah. Kamara, six. Oh, Kamara, Mixon, too. seven. Amara six, Mixon seven, okay. and that's right where you have then Eckler because, like I said, eight Chubb, nine Jacobs, and Jones, Drake, Sanders finished out the top 12. But yeah. you have Eckler instead of 13 or 12, more like eight or nine. That's why we talk tiers, people, okay? And all these names we're talking about, these are names that – if you do not draft them in round two, you will not get a shot at them in round three. I think that's the best way to describe it, right, Kev? You know, these are the guys you get your bite at the apple. If you're going to go RBRB, if you go in a different way, these guys are not going to be around for you in round three. So, Kev, honestly, though, you like all the stats, even to Rod, but this team goes seven and nine. Where's a Fugazi? Who are you less high on? Or why are you still and this team makes the playoffs. You only got a couple seconds. It's Herbert. It's Justin Herbert. To me, if he becomes the, I'm not gonna. I don't want him in fantasy. If he becomes a quarterback, and I'm just nervous that they're gonna pull the trigger unnecessarily. Right. And that's they're weird to me. They're tough. So the production tough is there, but the record may not be for Kevin. We go to the NFC West tomorrow. Come back and join us on tomorrow's edition of the Early Line. We'll keep giving you the edge. All you got to do is tune in. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.